In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Stephen Thomas, a.k.a. Browns Daily Mock Draft, one of my favourite guests. Whenever I want to talk mock draft or want to ask some random question about where is some player that I've never heard of going to go in the draft, this is the guy I turn to. Stephen, <laughs> I'm good. That's about the nicest way anybody said I have way too much free time and no life. I, I appreciate that. Uh, all is good over here in the colonies, and I'm always happy to, happy to be on with you, my friend. <coughs> I spend my free time looking at stats cap and all that sort of stuff. So it's nice <laughs> sort of the balance that we both do <coughs> stuff and we can work together to sort of balance that out. So uh, I, I, it's great to have you on and chat all the time. Yeah, it's it's good, and we're uh, we're finally in the home stretch, man. Less than two weeks to go, and uh, I don't know where you are, but I'm. Even for somebody like me who loves the draft, and I, lo- I do love it, and I watch, look at it all year round, every year right about this time I hit a wall, and I'm like, okay, uh, I'm done. Can we have it now, please? You know, this is like this last two weeks is when everybody in draft Twitter starts yelling at each other because there's no more new information coming. So it just gets really tiring. So I, I am so fired up and so ready to see what happens. I was sort of struggling in that sort of couple of days before the OBJ trade. And then the OBJ trade happened, and I've just deleted everything draft ever since. Anytime there's a podcast about first-round mocks, I don't care. Do not care. <laughs> Bye. So I've, I've literally zoned out from it. So I can hold my hands up. I don't really have that much idea about what's going on because I'm just in that happy medium of everything's great. Who cares? And uh, we'll sort it all out on the other side. So I've got some great people like you. I follow on Twitter, Jake Burns. There's lots of people in that group and sort of, the John Ledgers, the Trevor Sycamores, that they'll give me lots of insight and I learn a lot, but I'm almost past caring. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a huge lover of day three, so I've been following that a little more closely because, and I think this is where we're getting ready to head here uh, from what you told me before we started recording. I think that's going to be where the bulk of our picks are. It sounds like the if the smoke is to be believed, we may not have much the first couple of days, and they may, I mean, we may have even less than we have now. So we'll start from the top and we'll work our way through quite quickly. First round picks, who is there out there that you would be willing to trade up back into the first round for? And I know there's been a bit of talk about trading up to Miami. I'm going to take it more as 32 to 28, that's the sort of range where all the trades from teams that don't have a first-round pick back into the first round, that's where they sort of land. Yeah, and we've talked about this before. Mathematically, just looking at it um, in that range, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I But we're talking about whether John Dorsey would do it, and that's a totally separate question than whether you and I think you know, anybody in that range would be worth it. The only guy in that range that I think you could make a case for is, uh, is Jeffrey Simmons. And he's got the off field and the knee that you have to deal with. And that's the only reason he might 
be available at that range. He still might go top 15. He's that good. Um, but, you know, we've heard people, like you said, people brought up Miami. I've heard Seattle at 21 thrown around. Um, maybe even the Eagles at 25. I, I mean, if, you, if we're going to just stipulate that we're looking for the best deal, that was something that might make sense in those ranges, I think you're probably looking at the tackles. Um, if they have an Andre Dillard or a Jonah Williams or whoever their guy is that high and they think he is quote unquote the guy at left tackle, then yeah, if, if you think he's, you know, 10 years of Joe Thomas, then yeah, that's worth 49 and probably 80 and probably next year's two, maybe even next year's one. But I mean, that's a, that's a pretty heavy weight to put on a kid to say if you're anything less than a decade of Joe Thomas this trade is going to be considered a failure I mean that's that's a lot of pressure to put on a 21 22 year old kid um and I don't know where you are on those guys I think they're both very very good prospects I don't know if they're worth that much draft capital uh the way our team is is currently set up but uh, I mean, it, since we had since we had some fun online yesterday about the Miami thing, here's my thought. If you're going to go all the way to 13, which I think is insane, but if you're going to do that, you know, screw it, man. Go, call the Jets and go to three and take Quentin Williams. Because, if I mean, if you're going to give up that many picks, throw another one on top of it and get the guy who I think is the best player in the entire draft. It just – there's a whole bunch of players, you know, Duke Johnson and, and, and I, you know, I don't even know who else, but there's, we're swapping players and Chris Hubbard goes down there and I, you know, whoever it is, throw it in there. I, I cannot see anybody at 13 that's realistically going to be there that makes any sense to give up that much draft capital. I don't know where you stand, but I it just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I'm a cheerleader for Operation Tradeback, so uh, I'm never up for trading. <laughs> it, there's that sort of that really rare circumstance where you sort of got a high second round pick, add a fourth, get the fifth year option, a bit like we did with Njoku. That's the sort of rare circumstances, even right. then, a bit like, should we, should we not? So that's the only time you're going to get me. So yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I've done an article for um, Jack McCurry's site about it. So uh, I've looked at sort of all the costs that it would take. So I reckon to get back into sort of 28 to 32 is going to look at maybe a second and a third, and we might get that first and sort of a sixth back or something. So it's, it's not going to be pretty if it happens. But hey, what will be will be. Um, I'm almost past caring. I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, I think if you're going to ask me what I think, what I would do, where if I were sitting in the GM chair, where would I trade up? And you're looking at, at mid-30s. You know, if, if a Simmons or somebody, or if one of the safeties is your guy or somebody like that, and you're sitting at 38, 39, you get to 40, where it's not going to be too prohibitive, but you'll want to make sure you get your guy. That, that makes sense to me. But going all the way up, I mean, it's a long – even to get to the Patriots at 32, and the Patriots would be an interesting – spot because they have 12 picks so my guess would be if the Patriots are involved it's going to be more next year's picks I, I can't see why they would want anything else this year it would be like maybe 49 and Duke and next year's three or next year's two or something in that range um, because I um, they got a dozen picks I can't imagine us throwing in two of our three-fifths is going to excite them that much for that kind of a move up no, it's, it's a really good point. So if we flip it to the second and third round, and it's, mm -hmm. it's sort of just, I was looking for a chat on the directions we could go. So my obvious gut reaction is the secondary sort of that key place I'd like to go. If I had my way, I'm adding a um, cornerback and a strong safety or a strong safety and a cornerback. 
that's sort of where my heart's taking me. I'd love an offensive tackle. If there is an offensive tackle there at 49, he's my pick. Everyone else can go out the window. It's sort of, what, are, what are the options that you see sort of? It's still quite a way out. We're, we're talking two weeks, but that's a long time in the draft. So um, where do you think we could go with those two picks as sort of a pair? Yeah, I think you've hit most of what everybody seems to agree on. Um, corner and safety in one order or the other probably makes a ton of sense. Um, and it's so hard to project who's there because the corner class, the day two, well, the day two class in general, but especially the day two defensive back class, it's all over the place. I mean, you've got people with Bunting at 35 and you got people with Sean Bunting at 94, you know, same thing for Julian Love and, and, and Justin Lane, I've seen as far as the sixties and I've seen him as high as the twenties. So it's so hard to guess who's going to be there at 49. Um, my, if you give me my druthers, if, if that's what we're going to do, cornerback safety in one order or the other, I'm probably going to go cornerback first just because I like the potential guys who might still be there uh, at 80 in the safeties better than I like the corners. Um, like if I could get a, uh, you know, I mean, you know, our friend Jeff Lloyd would love this. If I could get a Justin Lane at 49 uh, or I love Julian love. I really, really like him. Um, if you get one of those and then a savage or a hooker um, at 80, I think that's the best tandem. Cause you look at that group of safeties and it's, uh, you know, rap Abram Adderley Gardner, Johnson, Thornhill, savage hooker. That's generally the group that's, and most boards, and these are media boards, so who knows, but most of the boards I've seen order the rest of those guys come in. Savage and Hooker seem to be the last two of the group. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad players. I mean, they're top 100 players. I mean, they could both go in the top 60 easily. But they seem to be more than likely the guys who, if not all the way to 80, they might be there at a reasonable trade-up spot, 66, 68, something like that. And they're both really good. I like both of those guys. If we could come out of these first two rounds with, uh, with uh, you know, say, a, uh, Justin Lane and uh, Amani Hooker, I think that's the win right there. Um, and I think you hit the other uh, – probable slot which would be tackle um and again it, it depends on whose board you believe the guy i think we have the best shot at in that range i think is uh Kajust. Uh, but he's it's all medical with him i mean he's had two knee uh, procedures and he just hurt his quad so it's up to the doctors if they say yeah he's good to go no matter what then i would love to get him at 49 um but if there's any kind of question then you know i i don't know that there's another tackle at 49, I mean, Titus Howard, that might be a little early for Titus Howard, uh, but then again, he might not be there at 80. Um, so that would be one way I would go. And then another way that, that they might go, uh, and it depends on what happens in front of them and here these next two weeks also, they could still go interior defensive line because there's some guys going to be available in that range that, uh, I mean, we've got two great starters but we don't have a lot of depth. And you look at the teams that win the Super Bowl and compete for the Super Bowl, they're rotating at least six guys through there, you know? Um, so you're looking at, you know, uh, Zach Allen, um, or some people have Tristan Hill up that high, or uh, Jerry Tillery maybe is, is still around at 49. Uh, Gerald Willis, if you like him that high. Colin Saunders, uh, if we could get him at 80, I'm a happy man. Um, it just It's just a question of where they're prioritizing the positional groups and the asset allocation. And of course us here on the outside, we're not privy to that, but yeah, it would 
seem to make sense that if we stay put in this class, the way the roster is currently constructed, um, corner and safety would make a lot of sense. Um, but they've done a lot of work on the day three defensive backs. So I don't know. They could surprise us. It could end up, end up being tackle and, you know, tight end for all we know. You know? <laughs> so, uh, but if you're asking me, yeah, if we could walk out with Justin Lane and Amani Hooker or Darnell Savage, I'm a happy camper. That sounds good. Linebacker, it's a position I've had no respect for and people that listen to the pod will know it's my running back of the defence. Um, is there any names in there? And I know you've spoke about Trey Watson in sort of the fifth um, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's a player I, I'm more than happy to address that sort of position in the fifth. Is there sort of any names out there? You've, everyone's got the two, the two Devons in the first mm-hmm. round. I'd never take a linebacker in the first round, but they're gone by the time we're picking up 49. Is there anyone sort of in that second and third round that we should be keeping an eye on? Um, well, it, again, it depends what you prioritize. It's so strange because the linebacker position is is um, changing. Uh, the coverage is because the coverage skills are becoming more important. You still got to be able to fill, uh, but the coverage skills are becoming more important. So the sort of I don't want to say small because these guys aren't small, but not as big and bulky as they used to be. Those guys are getting more run. So a Blake Cashman. Uh, would be good in there. Uh, um, I'm going to butcher his name, the kid from Hawaii, J- uh, Jelani Tavai. I'm sorry if you're listening, young man. I'm sure that's not how you say it. But he's getting a lot of run lately. Uh, I really like David Long from West Virginia. I wish he had done some testing because we have nothing on him at all. Um, I know Jake Burns, our good friend Jake Burns, like Vos- likes Voshan Joseph out of Florida, likes his tape a lot. And with linebacker, I, I think, and I've been this way for a while, there's some really good players uh, in that range, but I like the day three guys enough. And we, you know, I still like Joe Show. I, I personally, I don't understand. I like Joe Schober quite a bit. He should get another contract. Um, and um, I'm hoping that my, uh, my friend Christian Kirksey, who I really liked since the, the pre-draft process, goes back to his pre-Greg Williams ways of playing because that solves the problem for us right there. They're in-house. We don't have to worry about it. But if you're looking, you know, uh, um, uh, day three, oh, my goodness. The, the, the young man from BYU, uh, Takitaki, uh, Gary Johnson from Texas, uh, Ben Burke-Kirvin from Washington, but he's got his own issues. Um, and, of course, my guy Trey Watson. Uh, I, I just don't understand why he's getting – no love whatsoever. He he's fast. He's smart. His production is off the charts. Um, if you watch his tape, he analyzes and 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 reads and plays downhill almost all the time. He's good in coverage. He can go sideline to sideline. So if if they could grab him, if the to me he feels like a guy like Jannard Avery did for me last year. He's constantly available in the fifth round in mock drafts, and I think he's a day two guy but then he ends up being in the fifth round. So, you know, I, I would love for that to happen. That would be a great thing uh, as far as the, uh, uh, as far as the linebacking core. That's awesome. So if we look at the players, the Browns have brought in and you know, as well as I do, that means nothing. If you've come in for a visit, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of it when it comes to the draft, because right. it goes, but who are those names? And I'm not talking. So, there's, probably, there's been sort of Jeffrey Simmons as the highest-end player that I've seen being brought right. in. But in terms of players you'd most like to get in the sort of areas they're in, what's sort of been your top few players that we've brought in for a, a workout that you'd love to see the Browns add? 
Uh, it's tough because, you know, we, there's only about maybe eight or 10 visits that we have been able to see, but we know there's been more. They're just being secretive about it. So, I, you know, things that have been rumored are out there, but the ones that we know that they've brought in for a top 30 or a private or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jeffrey Simmons is the biggest name. Uh, they brought in Draymond Jones. Um, I can see him at the right value. Uh, Joe Lowry is a, um, a tackle, a developmental tackle prospect late out of Ohio U that uh, I liked him during the season and then he sort of fell off because he didn't get any invites to anything, but they apparently like him. And I think he's got some traits that are worth pra at least practice squatting uh, for a year or two. But if you really want the guys that we brought in for private visits that fascinate me the most, they're the guys way down on the day three list. The Kadar Holman from Toledo. Um, who has a great athletic profile, good film, and production off the charts. I think he would be a great day three cornerback ad. And then Steven Denmark is just absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, the small school kid out of Valdosta State, Dane Brugler, has been championing him. Uh, played wide receiver for three years and switched to corner this past year. Six, four and a half, 230, ran like a four, four flat or something like, you know, I think his vertical was three city buses. I'm not sure, but it was crazy. Uh, tested. And to be kind, his cornerback skills are raw, will be very kind, but his ball instincts are off the charts. It's really interesting to watch his film and a guy that big and maybe they give him a shot at free safety. Maybe they, you know, they move him, uh, you know, with his instinctual, uh, uh, his ball uh, skills. They just let him run around back there rather than try to train him up at corner. And he's a guy that, for all of those out there who have been uh, talking about wanting a big, tall, wide receiver option, he played receiver for three years. So you give him some snaps down on the goal line. You know, you throw that big fade, the, the jump ball that everybody likes. And, you know, he gives you some value in, in those places. So that would be a guy that I would be very interested in. But, uh, Juan Thornhill would probably be the guy that tops the charts um, of the realistic options, I think, and the more well-known names, just because he's got it all. I mean, you know, we all really liked him last year when we thought he was coming out as a cornerback, and then he switched to safety this year and added basically a whole new skill set as well. So I, I mean, he's a guy that if you can get him at 49, I don't know how anybody complains. I, I would love to, to see one Thornhill in the Orange and Brown next fall or this fall. Well, I'm going to ask you one last question. I've given you no prep for this one. Okay. <laughs> if you could walk into Dorsey's draft room, you've got all the picks set out as they are, so no trading up, no trading down, and you could put one name in at any point in that draft. And so realistic, obviously, you're not going to get Quinton Williams at sort of pick 49. Right. Name any any of the rounds that you could go and write that name on that card and know you could get it at that that person. Who is that? Wow, man. Wow, that is tough because there's guys I really like at at three or four spots. Um, like like I said before, if you can get Colin Saunders at eighty, I'd be tickled. Um, I really really like Trey Watson. So if we put him at like one forty four, that would that would be fantastic. Josh Oliver, if he's still around in the fifth, that would be another name. Um, wow. Hang on. Let me, do, let me scroll through here just real quick and make sure I'm not missing anybody. Just one name at one spot that I have to pound it for. Um, it's a difficult question, that one. Yeah, it is. Holy mackerel. 
Um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go Colin Saunders at 80 with that one. I think it's very possible. Um, just because, oh, boy, I don't know. Hooker at 80 would be – Hooker or Savage at 80 would be good too. Um, holy mackerel. <laughs> You're right. You gave me no prep for this. Wow. I, I wanted the God's honest reaction, and we've definitely got it. And, uh, that's great. Um, it is such a tough question for anyone that loves the draft all year round. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with that, my initial gut. I'm going to stick with Colin Saunders at 80 uh, by a nose over a few other spots just because I think he's – he's. I hate to use the term poor man's with him because I think he's really good, but he's a poor man's Quinnen Williams. He's just a, an absolute maniac at a spot that has become more and more and more important in the way the NFL game is trending. That interior pressure is so important now. Um, and you get him, especially this year, he'd be our second wave. So, you know, fresh legs, 30, 40 snaps a game, something like that. I would love to add that to our, our defensive line rotation. No worries. Thank you so much for joining me. It is always a massive pleasure to talk to you. Plug yourself. And if you're not following this guy, go have a look in the mirror and then search his Twitter handle and then follow him <laughs> because you are missing out, not on just the great draft content, you are missing out on the gifts. The gifts are phenomenal. <laughs> I, I think it's funny that I'm known more for that. I'm known more for fart gifts than uh, – uh, no, there's really not much to plug. It's the last couple of weeks of the draft at Browns Mock Draft. Uh, I would love to have uh, any Browns fan, any draft fan, anybody really, uh, uh, to follow. We always have a good time. Uh, like uh, Jack said, there's, there's lots of comedy, lots of gifts back and forth. We're, we, we take it serious but not so serious that we're you know, jerks about it. Um, and uh, I would love to see you guys there, yeah, at Browns Mock Draft. Thanks for having me on, man. I always have a good time with you. It's an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for coming on. This show nearly turned into a complete disaster because despite being an analytics nerd that can tell you all sorts of random stats, <laughs> I managed to completely screw up the time and got it two hours wrong. So luckily, Stephen has managed to push his whole uh, day back an hour and he's on the podcast. So thank you so much for hanging around. But uh, keep up the fantastic work. It's always a joy to follow you. Absolutely, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem at all. Anytime. <laughs>